Welcome to another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. Due to the unprecedented times we're living in, courtesy COVID-19, we are recording our conversations remotely. So you might notice a difference in audio quality. What remains the same, however, is getting to know yet another terrific woman. Meet Lyndon Reed, who wears two very different hats. There's Lyndon, behavior specialist, who, since 2015, has worked at Kip Lanning Square Primary, a public charter elementary school in Camden, New Jersey. And Lyndon, strong woman athlete. What? Her fitness journey began at 20 with Bikram Yoga. She eventually made her way to CrossFit in 2013. And it marked the first time Lyndon did any kind of weight training. A year and a half later, she discovered Strongman and since then has competed in more than 20 competitions, six at the national level. From 2016 to 2019, Lyndon represented the U.S. as a middleweight at the Arnold, as in Schwarzenegger, and then at the 2020 official Strongman Games. She's also a part-time Strongman coach. So let's meet and get to know this rather interesting woman. Lyndon, welcome and thanks so much for joining me remotely today. Hi there. Thanks for having me, Sandy. Okay, Lyndon, were you always an athlete? Yeah, uh, I always played sports growing up. Um, I was a pretty active kid. I would say until like all through elementary school, I've tried like every single sport. Like I swam, I um, played tennis, I played basketball. But as I grew older, soccer became my like main sport. And I played that for like, I would say from like five years old to about 17. So you were on the high school team. I only played on our school team uh, in like ninth grade. But then I played on a um, travel premier team through like most of high school. And I played that um, until my senior year. And did you ever entertain the idea of doing something with sports professionally or it was just a great pastime for you? I mean, I was an athlete, but when I, when I think about how I train now and how seriously I take um, like training and nutrition and doing everything I can possible to be the best, I didn't have that mindset as a kid. I was somebody that was just naturally pretty good at it and had a lot of fun. As far as like playing like collegiate sports, I didn't, um, mostly because, so I said I played until I was 17. My senior year of high school, I actually didn't play any sports because I discovered I had a um, congenital kidney problem and I actually like sat out the last three months of my senior year of high school. Oh, so you were really impacted by this problem, this medical problem. Yeah, um, it was like something that we had like no idea that was an issue. And then all of a sudden, it kind of like very grindingly brought everything that I did to a halt. I mean, I wasn't going to school. As far as like life and extracurriculars and all that, it kind of stopped that and definitely stopped any possibility of collegiate sports. So what did you want to study in college? What did you want to be when you grew up? At that time, I made like a life choice. I was deciding between either pursuing uh, creative writing or uh, psychology were like my two main interests. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I thought at the time uh, was that like hypothetically, I could always write. 
I say that now as somebody who like has very little free time to do much anything outside of work and lifting. Mm-hmm. Um, but hypothetically, I could always write and psych seemed like the better option and a lot more possibilities. So I decided that's how I majored in uh, psychology. So I just, I'm curious, write what? Were you a fiction writer? I wrote a good amount of poetry. I also wrote a lot of short stories on my family, usually with somewhat of a comedic lens. I have like a very big, (laughs) interesting family that um, has always been like a huge part of my life. So a lot of it was like short stories about them and kind of the coming together of both sides of my family who are very dramatically different. All right. You can't just say dramatically different and think I'm just going to go past. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, An explanation, please. First, my parents are two very different people. My mom is the oldest of five. She was born in Puerto Rico, but came over when she was a couple months old. And she grew up with her mom and siblings in Brooklyn and went to like Catholic everything (laughs) and like Catholic college and all of that. And then my dad grew up in Swarthmore, PA with like probably like the exact opposite upbringing. Uh, The family is like pretty connected to Swarthmore college and they're all Quaker and they're all like just very calm kind, liberal-minded white people. (laughs) 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 And, you know, um, both sides of my family are, like, very loving, but just, like, culturally so different. So they're very connected, but also uh, watching those two sides kind of figure each other out has always been part of my life and childhood, and is definitely something uh, that I wrote a lot about as a kid and growing up. Did your mom feel comfortable being with her husband's family? Were there any issues? I think she was like aware of it more of she, like when she's talked to me about like meeting her in-laws for the first time, everyone was always very accepting and welcoming, but her internal monologue was like, wow, like it was so quiet. So my mom is uh, 67 and my dad is 66 they've been together for over 30 years. And so they married when my mom, I believe was about 25, 26. This was like set like in the like early seventies. And both of them were kind of like very much a representative of like the time, like late sixties, early, uh, that seventies. So both of them were kind of going against like the tradition. So like my mom wasn't a practicing Catholic at the time, much to my grandmother's, you know, fear. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) My dad wasn't a practicing Quaker. My parents actually both uh, were really into Hinduism Uh and uh, they're actually married in an ashram. Uh In my parents' wedding pictures, my dad is in like a white tunic and Joppa pants and my mom is in like this beautiful white sari. So Uh uh, (laughs) their marriage was kind of like, it wasn't, we had a Puerto Rican wedding or a Quaker wedding or a Catholic wedding. It was mutual territory of we don't know what's going on, but we love our kids kind of situation. So yeah, so that's how my parents came together, but they didn't, I wasn't raised like Hindu or anything. We went to a church of the brethren, like branch of like Protestantism. My mom uh, was the director of a Montessori school. 
and it happened to share the space and she liked the pastor. And so that's how our church was decided. Sounds like there was a, a lot of openness, freedom, a lot of elasticity, perhaps. Yeah. I feel like I was generally supported and most anything that I was really curious about pursuing, whether it was soccer, whether it was writing, whether, you know, whatever, whatever the thing was, I would say that both of my parents in their own way would support that. And I definitely, it's interesting because I grew up in like an incredibly conservative area. Where did you grow up? Lancaster County. Amish country. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It's so funny now because growing up, I remember being like, you know, how could you choose to live here? <laughs> you know, of like, there's no nothing. I mean, as soon as I went to college, I went to the closest major city I could, you know, as a teenager, it just seemed so boring. But now it is like my escape. They moved there because it was an affordable place to like buy land. And that's where they built their home. But their actual house, there's one uh, neighbor that's directly next to them. And then there's a field on the other side. And outside of that, there's a field in front to the side and behind. So they're like very sequestered. Right. So you majored in psych. And what was it that you hoped to do? I had always uh, worked with kids like all of my job experience because my mother's in education and all of my jobs are centered around kids. I worked in a um, charter in North Philadelphia because my background is in behavior. The idea with behavior is that if you have a, if you have a really good plan, a really good intervention, the bad days are very much worth it because that's actually how they learn. If you like set a line and live it out and a kid goes to a hundred and come back down and complies, like you have now set the standard of like what this is. And it actually, even though it was a trying day, you've accomplished something. So now let's move over to your, I guess it is part of your professional life, isn't it? Strong woman athlete. It's definitely a huge part of my life. It's definitely what I spend most of my time and money and thought life about. (laughs) I said in the introduction that you started with Bikram yoga, but usually people who are into yoga don't wind up going to CrossFit, do they? Not at all. In fact, I would say a lot of people would say that they are in a lot of ways like opposite goals. Opposing forces in a sense. Well, yeah. When I was doing yoga all the time, there are positions that I could do. I mean, I'm still pretty good and it definitely keeps me safe now, but there are positions that I could do um, when I was solely doing yoga that I know that I'm never going to be able to get into. I used to be able to do a backbend from a split and hook my fingers onto my back leg. I don't know if you can think about the dynamics of that. I can do still do the split, but that's, but that's about it. The, when I transitioned into lifting, what I also found is that I was like hypermobile and had trouble. I had a learning how to stay tight was a huge part of lifting in the beginning for me um, because I, I didn't know how. And I didn't have uh, that like rigidity that you have to have. Being flexible is not an attribute to lifting weights. Being properly mobile and healthy and flexible enough is super helpful. Being hypermobile is counterproductive. So it's like finding that evenness. And especially as your training age gets older and you've been doing this for a while and your body's getting beat up, things like yoga are really going to keep you safe. 
because you need that kind of like active recovery and mobility because when you have really crap mobility, it's just a great way to get injured. How did this morph into getting into competitions? What drove you to do this? I've always been a competitive person. In fact, if you backtrack, even just the reason I started CrossFit. So um, when you say that people that do yoga don't normally lift, you're 100% 100 correct. And I was one of those people. I happened to be dating somebody who was opening a CrossFit gym at the time. And um, he had been bugging me for the longest. Like, you should... You should come try a class. You should come take a class. I think you could be kind of strong. That's what he used to always say. Like, I, I think he could be pretty good. Like, I think he could be strong. He just wanted your business, Linda. <laughs> right. And, well, I had, um, you know, always put him off. I do yoga. Like, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. And um, towards the end of that relationship, when it was uh, becoming evident that um, we weren't, like, the one for each other, he said the same thing again. Like it was getting close to his like opening date. He was very excited. He's like, yeah, you should come check out a class. And I put him off the way that I always did. And he was like, ah, he's like, you know what? You're right. You probably wouldn't be that good anyway. And uh, really smart move on his end. <laughs> he definitely knows me really well. It's calculated. Yeah, I was there the next week. <laughs> I'll show him. I did well enough and I enjoyed it. And the thing about CrossFit, it is a great introduction to lifting weights for a lot of people. It gets a lot of people, uh, most notably women, a peep inside that world, which they wouldn't normally. It's like competitive. It's like a group atmosphere. I would say it's like one of the only sports you can do where the person finishing dead last gets the, like, the loudest cheers and stuff. Because as you finish, you're like, you know, motivating everyone else around you to finish the workout too. So that was how I learned to lift. When you started to take this really seriously, how old were you? It was, what, 2014? I was, I was probably about 25. What happened to get you to that next step? <laughs> well, like I said, I'm a pretty competitive person. I had done a couple CrossFit competitions. And given the right workout, I actually was pretty good. But what I discovered was that I was a very heavy gymnast. <laughs> and while I could do most of the gymnastic aspects of CrossFit, like if you want 50 handstand push-ups, I need more than like 10 seconds to do them, right? Because I'm not a buck 20. <laughs> I'm um, uh, much more dense than that. I had become more interested in working solely towards strength anyway, which I think a lot of people actually do after they have like a year or so of CrossFit under their belt. So the cool thing about CrossFit is that it borrows from everything, like every other strength sport and also every other, like so many other things, fitness things, uh, it borrows from, and more and more they're borrowing from strongman. And so my gym at the time started getting a bunch of strongman implements. And it's funny because we have, we have one of the biggest CrossFit gyms in Philadelphia, but I would say only maybe four or five people ever took the strongman class, which blew my mind because one of the things that drew me to CrossFit was that I thought that the, the implements and the things you got to use were just really cool. Like there's all this different stuff to play with, but strongman was like that times a million, you know? And I was like, well, what's that? And so I was like super intrigued by it. And it was also a sport that was much, um, as opposed to like uh, weightlifting, which is a huge part of CrossFit, which is super duper duper technical, 
a lot of strongman implements and things are accessible only if you're like you're fast and strong. So I was able to like try it and be good at it much quicker than I would with something like weightlifting. But there was a, there was a specific night that I remember and there was like four of us taking the quote unquote strongman class. We were doing yoke, which uh, if you don't know what a yoke is, think of like a squat rack that has like a bar running um, in between both posts and you put it on the back of your back like you would a back squat and you stand it up and you walk or run with it. I, it was just me and like three or four guys. We were supposed to work up to like uh, your max possible weight. And I worked up to 500 pounds, which was as much as any of the guys had done. And I didn't really have any context of like, was that good? Was that not? It's funny when I look at that video now, it like, I mean, I can do 500 pounds in like eight seconds now. But at the time, I probably did it in like 23 seconds, but I did it. And I remember like having this thought to myself of like, I think I could be amazing at this. I like, I don't know anything uh-huh. about this, but I, uh-huh. think I'm, I think I'm really good or like I could be good, you know? So I literally went home and Googled. So funny. I went home and Googled like, what is strongman and found female strongman competitors and found a bunch of pictures of Christian Rhodes who is probably one of like the most legendary women in our sport, still competing, still breaking records. But she looks a lot different than me. She's um, a heavyweight competitor and she's blonde. It just seemed like very unaccessible to me. I had it in my head that it was like this like giant white people sport, you know, because like all of the top people are are like Icelandic and like European. And it just seemed like culturally very inaccessible to me. But I thought it was super cool. So I just picked out a competition and I showed up (laughs) and um, I competed as a novice and looking back, like I didn't know about how to do anything. Like I trained for it really hard as best I could, but like there were certain things in like um, gear and stuff that like I just had no idea how to use, but I was fast and I was strong and um, I did really well in the competition and I was hooked. Wait a minute. Didn't you have a coach for lack of a better word, or you just did this all on your own? I had a coach that I was working with for sure out of my CrossFit gym, but he had as much strongman experience as I did. You know, like he had taken the CrossFit strongman certifications, which (laughs) isn't, you know, especially back then. There's just like little things of like, um, one of the events was uh, like a rising frame deadlift and think of perimeter of like an actual door, right? It was a little bit smaller, but it was like a frame you pick up the implement with your hands by your sides and you stand it up like that. I had no idea that that was the case. And I was basing my numbers off of like, what is a traditional deadlift? And so at the time, my best deadlift was like 325 or something. The last pull that I had to do on the deadlift ladder was like 380. I was like, Oh, there's no way I'm going to finish. But like, you know, I'll, you know, I'll try my best. It'll be super fun. That was just like a completely inaccurate way to like gauge that. So I go out there First of all, I have no straps, uh, which are like something that you can use to like strap your hands in. So grip isn't a problem. I had no straps and I had somebody like throw straps on my hands super fast before I went out and had no idea how to use them. And the judges had to like strap me in. It was like a whole mess, but I ended up uh, doing really great. And like I win the event and the whole show was just like that times a million. Like on stones, you can use like this really special, like sticky uh, stuff called tack or spider tack. 
And um, I had never used it before, so I didn't think I'd finish the ladder again. And again, I had a girl who, who is now actually one of my like, closest friends like take me under her wing. She was like, girl, like, what are you doing? And she like <laughs> slapped some, uh, some tack on me and set me out and I ended up winning stones. And that was, that was my experience of trying to compete. So it sounds like more like on the job training. Well, you know what? It's interesting is because strongman has changed so much over the years. It really up until recently was very much like a, like a backyard niche sport and like gyms didn't have it, like especially before CrossFit you just train, you know, events as best as you can. Like most people didn't have all of this crazy equipment. And if they did, it wasn't like a standardized, you know, log that you were pressing from Rogue. It was, you know, the welder, like whatever log that your like local welder could like build for you or, you know, that you found or like inherited or like bought off a friend. The idea of like just showing up is actually not that crazy for people who've been doing this sport like in the past like 10 years or so. So how long did it take you to, I mean, to legitimately compete entering all these competitions? So that very first competition was in December, 2014, 2015. That spring I did a show and it was the first time I ever had to make weight for anything, which was like very nerve wracking for me. <laughs> I competed and qualified as a 180 middleweight and I would that fall do my very first national meet, which is an interesting time to have competed um, because that was the last year that we didn't have a professional class. And so everyone that I was competing against would become the founding members of what is now known as like a, being a pro strong woman. And I did like, okay. I took like 16th or 17th out of like, uh, like 35 women. And I did like, okay for me. And I, when I say I did okay, I don't mean just because of my placement. I mean, as far as just like my performance reflecting what I could do, I would say I did like, okay, but, uh, I wouldn't say that I was like good until the following year. I had only been doing when I did that national meet, I'd only been doing strongman for about six months. I was still training at my CrossFit gym. There was like a lot of changes and like coaching changes and stuff like that, that wouldn't come until a couple more months down the line. So I took sixth, I believe at nationals the following year. And that qualified me for the Arnold where I took fifth again. And since then I would say I'm been what you would call like pretty good. <laughs> so- <laughs> Do you have to go all over the country to compete? I mean, I could. I try not to when I do a, what we would call like a local show or like a qualifying show. I try to keep them as close as possible because it's expensive. <laughs> you know, you think about it of like a hobby and even uh, if you're a professional, even if you're winning something that makes that you get money, um, it never really with maybe the exception if you're like Thor or Eddie Hall. <laughs> are those heavyweights, no pun intended? Oh yeah, those are professional male heavyweights. I don't really know anyone that does this like quote unquote for the money. 
because <laughs> there's not really any money. Unfortunately, people that do make money in the sport, it isn't the actual act of competing is because they found ways to profit either through coaching or through their online presence and, you know, virtual, virtual land stuff, <laughs> um, but not through like actually winning competitions. So when you are competing, you have to go through a series of events because I went online and watched a competition <laughs> in addition to, you know, actually, you know, picking up a barbell or whatever the hell you call uh-huh. it. You know, I saw that women were lifting up these <laughs> massive round things that you know, <laughs> looked like they must weigh uh, you know, a million pounds and then lifting them up and putting them on something. So there's yeah. all, and I use the term in quotes, events at when you yeah. are competing. Yeah. So I would say you probably could break down events into like three different categories. You have your static strength stuff, which is going to be like a deadlift, which you're uh, a deadlift or like a press or a cleaning press. And those things are normally either, I mean, sometimes it is max, max weight, but more often it is max reps in a minute. Or uh, if it's like a ladder, if it's like three different deadlift weights, it's like as fast as you can complete them. So those are like your static events. And then you also have moving events, which are just super fun. That is generally, there's two ways moving events can be. It can be um, for time or for max distance, which is just awful. <laughs> My least favorite by far, max distance. So is that running with some kind of weight on you? That is picking something up and moving it. So there's like a million different things that there's everything from, you know, a keg to a Husafel stone to now we have a block. There's like, it could be, I mean, and you could be a promoter that gets creative and like makes someone pick up something weird, like uh, and like an anchor to a boat. Like you can do, you know, whatever. There's no like, you can't do that. That's not on the approved list as far in strongman. Um, you might get feedback from, you know, hopeful competitors of like, how do I train that? But that's kind of the, always the case. But so it is uh, pick something up and sprint with it or pick something up and carry it as far as you possibly can um, for distance, right? Sometimes there's a one minute cap just because if you have like, you know, 400 competitors and they're all going for max distance, that just adds hours to your show. But um, so there's that. And then the last category of things, which I think is what you were talking about is called loading events. And that is where you uh, pick something up and put it to a platform or put it over a bar and that's either going to be for time. So if you have like a stone series, you're going to pick it up and put each one like lightest to heaviest at different heights as fast as you possibly can, or you're going to have an entire minute to do max reps at whatever that is. And you can load. Usually um, it is um, an Atlas stone, which is I think what you're talking about. And that's where I use the tacky uh, stone of steel, um, which is an invention by Mike Bartos which is like a loadable stone. As a promoter, you won't need like 10 different concrete stones. You only can ship in like a couple of these loadable stones that you can fill inside with like different weights or something like keg, which is actually my favorite thing to load. How much do these things weigh? (laughs) I mean, it's all different weights. It also depends your weight class. I would say 200 pounds for reps is probably as a middleweight 
a middleweight um, competitor, something that I would see pretty often. My heaviest load is 300 pounds. I've also done a lighter series. It really depends like how high level the show is or, and also just like the promoter, like every now and then you get like a local show person that wants your weight class to do four or five deadlift for reps. And you're like, okay, well, this is a backyard show, but I'm, <laughs> I'm going to do it and it's going to be great. So it, it really is um, with this kind of stuff. There's no like set protocol. Mm-hmm. But I would say that around probably 200-ish is like something that I would probably see for reps. Does middleweight signifies your weight class in terms of what you lift, not so much what you weigh? The way that the sport is divided. So it's interesting because there's actually a split within the sport. There's NAS and there's USS. So, and those are different like groups of like promoters. In NAS, you have lightweight, middleweight, and heavyweight divisions for women. And if you're a lightweight, it is zero to 140 with a subclass at 120. That is, that's how much the individual weighs. So similar to like wrestling, like you're not going to wrestle someone that's three times your size. Right. Up until recently, I've always competed as a 180 middleweight. So that is 140 to 180 with like a subclass at 160, but you really only see that, that subclass at like nationals. So most of the people actually probably walk around a little bit over 180 and then cut weight to make 180. So as a middleweight competitor, um, I feel like we can look two different ways. You can be like smaller and more compact, kind of like me and like wider. Like if you see me in in person, I have like fairly broad shoulders. Or you can be um, longer and leaner. I would say when I think of like people that are pretty good, it's usually one of those two things. And And then it's heavyweight. Uh, in USS, the, the classes are a little bit different and they also have like a super heavyweight. So it's like over like 200 pounds plus would make you a super heavyweight. Actually, up until recently, again, I've always competed as a 180 and that put me in their subclass of heavyweights at 181. But I actually just recently um, started competing as a 165 for USS. So I'm I'm not quite sure what my year is going to look like yet, but I've been um, competing smaller in recent times. So is the Arnold a really big deal? <laughs> yeah, I would say it has been bigger deal some years over others. Again, my first year or so of competing, there was no professional strongwoman. So if you were good, you were competing like the pros now were competing at the amateur Arnold. And I would say that there's years where it's been like crazy, crazy competitive. I think so much within this sport, it's not just what show you do, but who shows up. And uh, within the community, like we all know, you know, mm-hmm. yes, it's a big deal. I think now that there is a pro class and there are people, so now there is the females finally have like a pro Arnold show that that one still gets more prestige. We now have a a third promoter doing um, official strongman games, which is arguably the highest level show. (laughs) People aren't going to like hearing me say that, but I would say is arguably the highest level show that we have 
um, because it, I think it has the most consistent high level international presence. Um, and it's also just like a really cool show. So like as an athlete, it's just fun to do. So, so yes, the Arnold is a big deal. Nationals can be a big deal. And some of these other shows people have been participating in also can be really big deal. I think a lot of it is who goes, who shows up, you know? Since you started this and where you are now, does this draw a lot of women? You know what? More and more and more. Um, And I honestly think that we have CrossFit to thank for that a lot. It is now that and with like some like changes and like body image issues or or not issues, but um, image, like what we find appealing, right? It's no longer women aren't only just chasing like being super skinny. They're also chasing like looking super fit and toned. Most like celebrities like work out to some extent. So I think uh, that has changed women's like body image things, but it's also just become um, so much more accessible with introduction of like CrossFit women more and more are like finding lifting and moving in that kind of way to be like a, a way to become empowered and feeling welcomed. Yeah. Well, and it's so interesting because I actually, I feel like I've always been a fairly well-adjusted person when it comes to body image. I have never felt perfect, but I've always felt comfortable when I compare that to so many women in the fitness industry, who many of which arguably people look at them and say, well, they are perfect, that there's actually, it's become, lifting has become like a a haven for so many women who are just so incredibly uncomfortable in their body and have kind of found a way to feel proud of their body for what it can do and not just how it looks. And then kind of those two things can actually go hand in hand. They met their fitness goals by pursuing their like lifting stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like a lot of times they they can go hand in hand or Uh that they change, you know, that they're no longer trying. I know so many women that they started out just trying to be small and now they're just trying to be quote unquote big, you know, it's a, it's really, it changes of, of what you think is appealing. What actually looks like small to you now more and more that you're like part of this community. You're taken seriously. Um, <laughs> or, you, or you don't care. Y- y- I mean, uh, I would say within the actual strongman community, the men support women pursuing their own lifting goals. Now, if I cross-reference that with the rest of the internet, no, <laughs> no, the answer is, um, all you have to do is like check out like the YouTube comments on like a really, really famous lifters lift, especially when it's like with the heavyweight women who are doing arguably just insane things. You know, we have a number of heavyweight women and actually some smaller women that are are deadlifting over 600 pounds, which is like amazing. But you look at their video and all they're talking about is how they look. They're disgusting. Everyone's on steroids. They can't do that. Fake weights, you know, X, Y, and Z, like go to the kitchen, make me a sandwich. Like, oh, 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 you mean all of these enlightened men? Oh yeah. You know, and like, or oh, that can't possibly be real, especially with like the smaller girls. Oh, like that, that can't be, there's no way, you know, I'm a man and I can't do that. It's like, you're right. You are a man and you can't do that. And it's okay. 
<laughs> That's not stopping the women. No, no, not within the community. I mean, it's, it's, it, they're like a joke. And that's, that's what I think that they don't realize is that for us, like you, it, you're like talking with food in your mouth. Like you just look dumb. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, we actually, there's like a pretty famous um, IG account from a woman named Jess Fithin. And it is, uh, the handle is at you look like a man. And uh, it is a, a compilation of like all of the ridiculous things that women have heard, specifically within Strongman, because she's a strong woman competitor, have heard or received from um, the internet as a whole, and also like uh, you know uh, unenlightened friends and family. Uh, it's really something. Is there anything when it comes to strong women that you haven't done that you aspire to do? Um, oh yeah, you know, <laughs> there's never, I mean, I could always be stronger and faster and there's certainly, uh, certain specific goals. Once upon a time, I, um, something interesting about me is I've probably had more close at bats, uh, for my pro card than almost any other, uh, strong woman. I think what the hell does that mean? there, um, I have come within like a point or two of getting my pro card. Mm seven times uh something ridiculous um i also existed during the brief time where you could get it at a plat plus show and i lost there in like a tiebreaker so once upon a time i was super driven to like get my pro card now i'm just i don't really find that particularly motivating i think that again like it's it's all about what you can do and who you compete against and so um having your pro card doesn't necessarily mean that you are the most elite though in some cases it certainly does i think now i have i definitely have like certain numbers in my head of things i would like to to hit um going into this new year i'm really trying to get comfortable at uh living and competing at a lower body weight i'm going to be competing as a 165 and 160 in the next foreseeable future, which is a, a really big change for me, but I'm excited for it. It's something new, which when you've been doing it as long as I have, you have to find those things. You have to have like different goals. And I just want to continue to enjoy it because if I didn't, I'd go back to yoga, man. <laughs> well, that sounds like a great way to end. Lyndon, you're my first strong woman. <laughs> Yeah, keep us abreast of all of your uh, competitions and what's going to be happening down the road for you, strong woman-wise. Yes, I will. Hopefully um, everyone can return to their gyms soon enough. Very good point. Yeah, so obviously you're lifting at home. Yes, I am very, very lucky to have a close friend that allowed me to rent uh, a lot of equipment and I have the space to like actually use it. Well, enough. Maybe you could lift your car, you know. If it, yeah, or drag it, or I mean, truck no. pull <laughs> is a thing. <laughs> that is an event. Lots of continued success, Lyndon. It was really great to meet you. Oh yeah, thanks for having me. Totally my pleasure. Join us for another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. <laughs>